tell stories so grand of this vast, timeless land, and they call it Sunday with Macca. They all call it Sunday with Macca. Yeah, they all call it Sunday with Macca. Get on with it, Macca. He had it down his trousers. <laughs> down his trousers. Can you believe it? Good morning and welcome to the program. Cricket's in the news again. If they're not sledging, they're um, doing other things. I mean, it's just pathetic. <whistles> G'day, this is Macca. Hi, Macca. This is Jocelyn. Hi, Jocelyn. Um, how are you going? Yeah, good. Good. I just wanted to make a comment on your um, kickstand story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I recently moved to Canberra from Sydney. Mm. Um, How come? And, oh, for university. All right. I'm going to the ANU, yeah. What are you doing? Um, uh, studying arts law. Arts law, all right, yep. Yeah. Um, and there no one drives, everyone uh, rides bikes. Yeah. Now, I haven't ridden a bike for about 10 years, um, and I just want to say that I very much related to the song because I currently find a kickstand one of the most useful things in my life right now. Um, <laughs> well, that's yeah. good. And you hadn't ridden a bike before? No, uh, I had, but only when I was younger. Um, I just caught the train to school in Sydney, so I didn't really need it. <laughs> um, but everything's flat in Canberra, so yeah. um, just ride a bike to class, ride it to the shops, etc. And yeah. how come you went to ANU and not to, are uh, you from Sydney Sydney or New South or Sydney. something? Um, I just, I don't know, it's a good uni. Um, kind of wanted to, you know, move out of home as well. Um, yeah, no, I, and I'm really loving it there. I didn't, a lot of my friends were like, oh, why are you going to Canberra? Why, would, why wouldn't you go to Sydney? But um, I think it's seen as a very much a kind of a small country town where I'm from, but um. I, I think, love it there. Yeah, well, that's good, uh, Joss. Um, I think you should change your from arts law to engineering and and <laughs> do a, a piece of metal in the spring. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah. invent something um, like a kickstand or something, Jocelyn. We I'll need we need we need engineers. I'll tell you. Yeah, I t- yeah. I mean, I would. <laughs> mathematical ability is not my strong suit. No, no my, mine neither. But there was a, an engineer rang last a couple of weeks ago, and he said you don't need to be. They're that good at maths, but I think he was just... Uh-huh. <laughs> I, think I tell he, you what. <laughs> yeah, six and six is 12 is about as far as I go. I'm quite, yeah, I I'm, think I struggle with that sometimes too, to be honest. But, um, yeah, well, Jocelyn, yeah. Stay, stay careful on your bike because yeah, they can be... Uh, <laughs> Thank can, you, can, yeah. They can be a bit uh, problematic, the old bikes, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, just... Uh, I've had a few, few mates, had a few falls, so... Yeah, all right. <laughs> all right. Well, good luck uh, and keep in touch, Jocelyn. Yeah, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Bye. Bye. Uh, g'day, Maga. Yep. Tony calling from uh, Kyloid. Hi, Tony. What are you up yeah, to? Uh, we're um, just about finished the um, the pistachio crop here. They've got a really big um, farm, so mm-hmm. it's been going for about five or six weeks. Right. Uh, pistachios. They're very popular, aren't they, pistachios? Yeah, fast becoming. Yeah, mm-hmm. we just can't make enough or produce enough in Australia, but we're trying. So, Tony, you, this is your farm? No, no, I just drive the truck back to the where they hold the, hold the nuts. And, um, yeah, and, um, no, it's, yeah, I drive the truck. So how do they pick them? Do they shake them or um, hit the hit the stump yeah, of the tree yeah. or what? Yeah. yeah, no, they shake them like uh, almonds. We've got a lot of almonds around here and, um, yeah, it's, it's fairly, 
mechanical. Mm. Yeah. And so the pistachios, where are they are they they're in demand where all around the world, I suppose, are they? Or I think nuts are getting more and more popular, yeah. and um, you know health benefits and everything like that. And almonds have got more popular, so yeah, no, it's it's really good. Yeah. And how long have you been doing this sort of uh, work, Tony? Um, well, I'm a seasonal worker, but um, yeah, I've done probably just my third season with the pistachios. Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah. Um, so and they're um, so what you load them into into bins or into the truck in bulk? Yeah, and, yeah. Or what do you yeah, do? In, Tell me. Into pla- into plastic half-ton bins. Yeah. And then um, we come along and pick them up and take them to the Huller in Robinvale, little town near Mildura. Yeah. It's the only huller in the country, and um, they take the skins off of them and uh, roast them and put them in big silos and send them out. There you go. Yeah, food's the big thing, isn't it, Tony? When you've got uh, upwards of uh, 7 billion people in the world and and increasing all the time, they need things to eat. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, no, it's just, just you know, like, um, yeah, they're welcome to them. They're, they're all right, but they're they're um yeah taken off so it's good yeah, yeah. Not, not your cup of tea you, do you, do oh no I like them yeah no I like them yeah, it's it's um we we carry like twenty three ton at a time on them so have a chew on them every now and then <laughs> yeah so Tony where do you live in Kyleite do you no I live in um just out of Robinvale uh-huh. so, yeah it's about an hour and hour and a half down to Kyleite and do two or three trips a day and yeah I want to say good day to everyone on the farm and yeah. So the pistachio season's just about finished now, has it, Tony? Yeah, yeah, they're on their second shake, so you don't get much off it, but the first shake is the best, I think one of the best crops I've ever had. Really? Um, yeah. And, and uh, lots of nuts around uh, Kyolite, did you say uh, almonds or something? Did you... Yeah, no, further over towards Robinville, there's the almonds start, but um, yeah, Kyolite's, this is one of the biggest farms in the country here, on the Walcall River, yeah. All right, Tony, um, nice to talk to you, mate. Yeah, why was Macca? Yeah, no, love your show, as everyone says, and yeah, <laughs> keep on trucking, eh? Good on you, Tony. See Bye. you, mate. Bye. See you. The other day I met uh, a lady called Trish Fraunfelder. She makes stuff. It was at uh, Sydney's Royal Easter Show, and I always like people who are in business for themselves, small business, and I suppose a small business is, well, you know what a small business is. It's not a big business. Come and meet uh, Trish and be inspired. Trish Fraunfelder, is that right, Trish? Yes, that's right. And you make stuff, don't you? I do, yeah. I do. Tell us I've what you make. I make things. I make uh, anything from ironing board covers to tea towels to doorstops. I make a range of homewares that I, I, I'm an artist and I draw and I print on everything and I enjoy what I do. And where do you do this? I do this out of a shed in Beralee in Sydney, which is a very well-kept secret. Beralee? Beralee, yeah. It's a place between uh, Barara Waters and Arcadia, and there's very few people live there, and it's lovely. It's the city, it's the city on the edge of the city, um, but the country experience, tank water and the rest. Mm. It's often hard to turn your art, whatever art it is, mm. into a, a living. You've managed to do that. How did you go from being an artist or drawing, I, sp- I assume you were doing, to, yeah. to making stuff? I was in advertising and, uh, and I had, we had four children and that became impossible to do the advertising thing. So set up shop and the, well, set up all my work on the dining table and started, like so many people, I'm, I'm no different to too many and over the years, it's sort of grown, and I started here 
dare I say, 27 years ago with a tiny little table and a tiny piece of wall on someone's um, on stand. And, uh, and I've grown you know, to meet the show in many ways because now at the moment I draw for the show. I do a lot of cows and horses and things like that. And, and people, it's really nice. They come in and I see them every year, year after year. I really enjoy it. Small business is tough. Is mm, it tough for very you? Very tough, mm. very tough. This is a cash flow for me in the, at this time of the year because I've gone from a trade show. You start to, you buy your fabric in January, you have it made up by February, you show it at the show, you do all your orders, you, you um, collate everything, do all your orders, and you don't get your money coming back in for five months. And that can be very tight. Mm. Somebody said to me the other day, uh, it's tough in small business. Mm. I don't think, uh, sometimes I don't know if uh, politicians realise how tough it is. No, they don't. And I think you've got to be on the ground. The things we hear about retail is really Jerry Harvey. If he's doing well, everything's good. And if he's not doing well, (laughs) then (laughs) it's the pits. (laughs) (laughs) So you make all sorts of stuff, gardening gloves and cushions with magpies on them, I can see. yeah. Yeah, it keeps you pretty busy, eh? It does, it does. And I'm a, you know, the very small business. I've got a couple of wonderful girls that work with me and are so, somebody who sews for me. So the printing is, the drawing, the designs and the printing is me. And then the marketing and all the other things that go along with it and holding it all together. <laughs> <laughs> well, you must get a lot of satisfaction about it. It's nice to make something, isn't it? And yeah, look back and say, well, I did that. I do. And then, you know, you set up something like this and you get feedback. It's lovely. I appreciate it. Well, Trish, good luck. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, g'day. It's Julie McClure. I'm calling from Kalara Station at Tulpa. What's the station, Julie? Uh, Kalara. Kalara, yeah. Yep, we're, we're between um, Tulpa and, and Louth on the uh, on the western bank of the Darling. And, yep. Um, I just wanted to let you know that uh, Little Tilpa Community is having a bit of a get-together today um, on the plant having gun cricket on the bed of the Darling River at Bydale Station, which is below uh, below Tilpa, between Wilcannia and Tilpa. So it's not, a, it's not going to be a wet pitch, Julie? No, we won't have any trouble with a, with a green top. <laughs> Julie, I, I, I talked to a, a lady. Uh, I think she was in Burke a couple of like a month or two ago, and she was telling me how dry it was. And uh, you still haven't had much rain there, Jill? No, no. Look, it's um, it's yeah, as dry as it's been for the last twenty years, I'd say. And um, we're sort of fighting a battle with the with the river to get a bit of equity of um, water down the system. So. Mm. Uh, just a little uh, side note is that um, 67% of flows between 1990 and 2000 were below 2,000 megalitres a day. Gee. Um, and before 1990, only 43% of flows were below 2,000 megalitres a day. So we're, um, we're fighting a bit of an uphill battle and um, there'll be a few of us today having a bit of a yarn about... Uh, about the situation and so how many people how many so you uh, you'll be uh, this is uh, near your station it'll be or near Tilpa yeah yeah Fr- friends of ours um, are about sixty five k's are about halfway between Kenya and um, Tilpa and uh, we're going down there and uh, you have a, a bit of fun with oh, about we hope to get about twenty to thirty um, down there and um, 
divide the teams evenly, of course. Of course. And, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll have a bit of fun, I reckon. Yeah, I reckon you will too, Julie. Yeah, it'd be, be nice if you get some water um, water flows too, wouldn't it? Uh, that'd be really nice. Um, yeah, yeah, we're a little bit hopeful. There's some water in the Kalgoa um, and there's some water in the Warrego and we're sort of hoping that will fill and spill the Berkeley pool. So the rule of thumb is that it takes, um, once a weir pool is full at Burke, it takes a week to get to Louth and then once that weir uh, pool is full, it takes a week to get to Tilpas. So we're actually sort of really hoping we might have a little fresh um, of water out of the Kalgoa and the Warrego for Easter, which would be pretty fantastic. It'd be lovely, Julie. I'll see you on Kalara Station. How big's Kalara? Uh, it's Kalara's interesting place. It's um, one of the original runs in New South Wales. It was about um, a million acres back in its day, and it neighboured. Dunlop and it neighboured um, Momba, the, the, the big big one, big uh, property of Momba, which is two million acres. So in the soldier settler breakups, um, Kalara's back down to uh, 116,000 acres and we've just reacted, had you know, added a couple of blocks on sort of to the west, so it was sort of between the Paru and the Katabara and the Darling. Yeah. All right, well, you're out there at, uh, at Kalara Station today. There's a big cricket match on in the bank in the on the uh, bed of the Darling River. I don't want any ball tampering, please, Julie, today. Uh, keep I, your, I, would, I would say there'll be a lot of ball tampering. Keep your hands out today. of your trousers and, um, yeah, make sure the leadership group uh, yeah, does the right thing. And uh, if you have to stand down, Julie, so be it. <laughs> okay, thanks very much, mate. Have a good day. All right, it's a pleasure. Bye. Talking about travelling the world or travelling Australia, Nan Lloyd travels Australia for her dogs. She's got some... Trailing dogs, and I met her last week. Come and meet Nan. I'm in Hall, the ACT. You'll find it on your maps. Talking to a lady called Nan Lloyd. Nan, where are you from? I'm from Cogin up in Western Australia. And you're a dog trialer? I do dog trialing, yes. You're a long way from home. I came over to Victoria in uh, September to do the Supreme, which is a national championship sheep dog trial mm. that is held every year and, and goes from state to state. And then I did a couple more trials on the way. I stayed with a few friends and ended up in Ningen looking after someone's dogs. So I've been in Ningen for three months, dog sitting and farm sitting. And How did this all start, Nan? You and dogs? We always had farm dogs years ago for a long, long time. They weren't really much good, so we used to get the sheep in with them. Hmm. And then one day, actually ironically, I went to Sheep Dog Cling. That was run by Greg Prince. Greg Prince is the guy who recently has passed away. And he started me off into sheep dog training, and um, I started getting better dogs. I started trialling, and it just snowballed from there. You learn so much from sheep dog trialling, just in general handling, and it helps your stock work at home. It's just There's just so much to learn. It's not an easy, well, I suppose you could call it a sport now. It's it's, it's not easy because you're out there and you've got three sheep and you've got a dog. They've all got minds of their own and you're trying to manage them and, and get the dog to put the sheep where you want them to go. It doesn't always work that well. Sometimes the sheep decide they'll just do whatever they like regardless. So that's what makes it such a challenging sport and keeps a lot of people coming back and having a go. You've travelled over from Cogent up on your own. You went to Victoria, as you said, and trialled and you went to the Supreme. How'd you go? Oh, I didn't do any good at the Supreme. I had a big win at the Vanilla Trial, which was the lead-up trial. I was pretty pleased about that. But, yeah, I travel on my own with a caravan. I've got seven Kelpies with me. I only run Kelpies. I'm the only person here at the trial running Kelpies. Why is that? 
because most people run border collies and border collies are probably better at three sheep trialling. Mm. But I also do yard and utility trialling so, and farm work. My dogs are very versatile. What do you like about the travelling and the dogs and the whole thing? Meeting people, just expanding your horizons. You just, yeah, I've made some friends over here. It's just social. It's a social outlet, really. And a number of women now are in trialling, more and more. There's probably, in WA, I think we're half and half. Over here, there seems to be almost more women than men. I wouldn't be too sure, but... But, yeah, no, definitely, I think probably 20 years ago, there weren't many women, and now a lot of women are taking it up and, and doing it as a sport. And there's probably a number of people who do it as a sport, like the dogs don't do farm work as such. They just trial, that's all they do. In West Australia, probably most of us are farm-based, so we do our farm work and then we do trialling as well, whereas over here I think more people do just trialling rather than use their dogs for farm work. Friends of mine breed uh, Kelpies. There's a bit of money in breeding dogs and you've been picking up dogs around the place, haven't you, as you come across? Yes, I picked up... I suppose that's the important thing, isn't it, to find a good dog's like a good racehorse. It's really hard to get the right sort of dog. I had border collies. I just preferred Kelpies for my farm work. But to get a Kelpie that'll do farm work, trialling, it is not that easy, especially it's arena trialling, like three sheep trialling. It's a very specialised sort of a sport. And they're fairly expensive, aren't they? And they go, they breed them to go overseas. Weren't they in Lapland or something, herding reindeers or something, I heard? Yes, I believe they do send them all over the world. And they do. They work in the snow. Uh, yeah, they work cattle. They work, yeah. They're, they're, they're wonderful, aren't they, dogs? They're just wonderful. They're, they're amazing. And I, I couldn't do farm work without them because I do farm work on my own and I couldn't without my Kelpies. They do the work of you know, many men, really, don't they? Well, they do. And that's why the, the value of them has increased. Recently, there was a record price for a, a Kelpie sold at auction, which was $14,000. And people are starting to realise their value. Prices are going up because, interestingly, people think nothing of spending, you know, five or ten thousand dollars on a specialised pet, designer bred pet. <laughs> you mean like a cavoodle or a labradoodle or like a, a pooador? Yeah. <laughs> and then you get farmers who, who won't pay five hundred dollars for a working dog, yeah, which is a bit of a shame. But as I said, that is changing a bit and people are recognising their value. And how do you like it over in the east? I do like it over here. There's a lot more to see over here than there is in Western Australia, scenery wise and just various things, but I don't like the cities. I've got I had some friends in Sydney I went to visit and I said I'd never, I'll never go back to Sydney again. It was just, the traffic was dreadful. Mm. Stay tuned on that one, stay tuned. Nan, great to meet you and, uh, yeah, good luck. Thank you very much. Good morning, Maka. I come on from Melbourne. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Uh, your name? Hakamal Gill. Hakamal. That's an yep. interesting name, Hakamal. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's, that's the first, a... you're the first Hakamal I've come across. Okay. Where, where's that come from? Hakamal comes from Punjab, India. All oh, right. Yep. Yeah. So my reason on my call is uh, my father-in-law, Jim Logan Bell, he's always talking about your radio station, about the Outback Australia. We're a group of five Punjabi boys uh, back from India, a region called Punjab. Mm-hmm. And uh, we started from Melbourne. We are off to Simpson Desert to do the Big Red. All oh, right. Yeah. The Big Red Sand Hill. The Big Red Sand Hill. Yeah. We're in uh, Adelaide today. Yeah. Uh, the plan was to leave yesterday, but we had a few problems with the cars, and we fixed the cars yesterday uh, uh, in Adelaide, um, where everything closes at midday 
from Melbourne. We're not used to it. Everything opens <laughs> till five, and uh, even now, every we we up, we're waiting for a few parts, and the shop's going to open at eleven a.m. Not before that. I see. Now, how come? Uh, tell me, firstly, this is is this the concert at the Big Red Sand Hill, or no? No, it's you, just, you, uh, yeah. You're just, just going a, out there as a bit of a an expedition. The five expedition, you five yes. boys. Yes. Yeah. Now, now tell me your story, Hakamal. Uh, how long have you been in Australia and what do you do? And Yeah, yeah I've been here for the last 14 years. Most mm. of the boys are here from the last 14, 15 years. Yeah. And we're from the same region uh, called Punjab. Yeah. Uh, most, of the, uh, most of the community in Australia are from Punjab, India. Mm. And uh, yeah, we've been, uh, I've been here 14, 15 years. And uh, we we love out back. We most of us do hunting uh, mm. in Victoria, up in the high country, Wollongatta region. So from there we got uh, we start loving the outback and and more and more and um, then we thought okay we need to see more of Australia more of outback which is beautiful and uh, well if, yeah, you, we, if if you're out there in the in the Simpson which you will be you can knock off a few feral cats if you see them too that, that, <laughs> I don't know if you're allowed to do that but um, no we are not we are not allowed to do that we are no. not allowed to take guns here and and we are holding a Victorian gun license so we we thought not we're not going to carry guns. Mm. Uh, this trip is already very hectic, sort of uh, planning. Uh, we have to carry diesel, we have to carry water. One of the boys uh, is driving a Hummer H1, and uh, they had a problem yesterday. To get the spare parts for that H1 Hummer in Australia is impossible, and we were trying to find it in Adelaide. Uh-huh. So we went to a truck record shop, got a second-hand truck alternator, and put it into the Hummer. <laughs> and I am driving, uh, and... Um, Parenti, it's called Land Rover Parenti that was built for Australian Army. Oh, um, a Parenti, of course, yeah, Parenti. which is uh, most people know as a as a as a Goanna. A yeah, a Goanna, but uh, lovely things, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah so lovely. I do not have any power steering. I do not have any windows. I do not have any you know rain protection. So for me, it's a pretty adventure. Well, it's the Aussie way, Harkamol. Yeah, it's the Aussie right. way. Just yeah, you do it. Yeah. And if you break an axle, get a tree bow and strap it in, and all that sort of stuff, mate. You're, yeah, you're learning well, Harkamol. Tell me, what do you do for gig? What do you What do you do? I do uh, run a limo business uh, back oh, in Melbourne. Yeah. Oh, I uh, see. VAT business, yeah. and one of my customers he run a cattle station in Aminka. Uh, so we'll try to get to Inaminka and stay two days on a cattle station. Well, the that... old boys have bought a. Cobra hats, <laughs> oh, mate. You just uh, you're in uh, you're in uh, in the in the swim, mate. You'll you'll look yeah. great. All right, yeah. Harkamal. Nice to talk to you. Um, and, Thank you. And good luck on your trip. Take care. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I would uh, love to say uh, hello to my father who's listening to the radio <laughs> at this moment, uh, uh, Jim Logan Bell. And my mother-in-law, Merlin Logan Bell, I'll be missing their 50th wedding anniversary. Oh, and, wow. Listen, uh, when you get onto Big Red, take a photo of yourself and your, your five mates. Yeah. yeah and uh, send it to us, okay? All right. You do sure. that, Harkamal. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Good Have a lovely l- day. Good luck, mate. Bye. <laughs> it's amazing the people you bump into. Come and meet this bloke. This is this bloke's going to... I just met him yesterday at the show. I was walking past and... Um, He's uh, he knows all about rodeo and boxing tents. Weren't they a colourful time? Come and meet John Gill. I'm at the Royal Easter Show, Sydney's Royal Easter Show. I love a show, and I've bumped into Johnny Gill. Johnny, where are you from? I'm from nowhere, mate. I was born at Kundarook, a little town in Victoria, on the way through with a travelling Wild West show in 1937. Born on the road, eh? Yes, I was born on the road, and, and so was my two brothers. 
So was my three sons in each town. One was born in Bankstown in Sydney, another one at Lockhart, and another one at Urana. My daddy was born at Wolfram Camp. Do you know where Wolfram Camp is? Let me ask you that. You talk to a lot of people. I do, but I often don't listen. Um, (laughs) Is it on the border? No, mate. See, the greatest show run in Australia was the North Queensland run. They were the biggest shows and whatever else. We used to do the north run of shows in wagons before the show train started. It would take you two years to do the north run, go up one year and come back the next. At any rate, Dad was born at Wolfram Camp, and that is halfway between Dimboola and Mareeba. I was going to say that, actually, John. You was, was you? <laughs> well, you that's go. where he was born. You're a, a, road, a road rat, as my mate used to call people who were on the road all the time. Yeah, well, there's a lot more rats on the road today now than you think, I'll tell you. <laughs> but let me tell you one thing. After I finish talking to you in about three or four hours' time, I'm on the road again, mm. and I'm taking bulls from Wagga to a PBR bull ride at Shepparton tomorrow night. Then I'm back here Sunday. Johnny, it's great to meet you, mate. I always here. keep in touch, and, you know... Next time you want to ring, ring. Don't just say, oh, I can't use the mobile phone. No, but you have the mother numbers. You don't have an 0418 number. It's one of those triple 13s yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. triple 13s. Yeah. yeah, and every time you say it, I try and write them down, I can't get to the end. And you're here at the show, what for? I'm here. We uh, operate the pony rides down the bottom of the ground. But we're basically here for the uh, rodeo. We supply horses and bulls. We're the oldest name in rodeo, the longest running name in rodeo anywhere in the world. 80 years. Wow. Born in a seven-year-old, I was riding a miniature bull and riding a trick pony in my dad's Wild West show. You'd know the show is from yesteryear then, wouldn't you? The... Oh, yeah. Billy Davis, Les Short, uh, Arthur Meakin, Roy Bell, Sandy Moore, Selby Moore, Boxing Tents and stuff like that. I know every showground in Australia. And did you say before you'd meant to ring me a number of times? Oh, yeah. yeah. What about? Um, well, I hear you talking about, you know, Fred Brophy and Michael Cradiana and, and stuff like that. Well, the I, boxing tents? Yeah, with the boxing tents, that's yeah. right. And I never hear much more. I don't hear of Arthur Runoff, Sandy Moore, Harry Johns, Les McNabb, Dave oh. McSorley. They all had boxing tents. Yes. Yeah. Harry Paulson in, in Tasmania. Snowy Hodge when Dave Sands first done his sparring match at Newcastle in a boxing tent because that's where Sands originally came from. That was a colourful time, John, wasn't it? I mean, uh, Marvellous, marvellous. I mean, you take when uh, Jack Hassan and them fellas used to uh, fight at stadiums limit, limited and then they would then go with Sharman to some of the boxing tents after they finished in the ring. I knew Jack Hassan personally, Alfie Clay, I knew him, I knew Dave Sands' brothers, uh, uh, Russell, uh, Alfie, them sort of fellas. And so you're still coming to the shows, and what do you do here? You don't ride rodeo anymore, do you? No, it's a bit hard to ride a bucking bull at 80-year-old, isn't it, mate? (laughs) How's your knees and your hips and stuff? Uh, Very good. Are they? Yeah, yeah, I'm going going real well. You know know the secret to it. No, mate, tell me. You just work seven days a week and don't (laughs) sit down. I'll have to tell a lot of girls and boys uh, out there who've got crook knees and stuff to get back to work. Yeah, well, <laughs> you hear of these blokes, they work till they're 65, can't wait to retire, sit down, get a bit fat around the heart and that, and away they go. Wise words, John. It's great to bump into you, mate. I'll come and see you on your pony. I'll have a pony ride. They don't buck, do they? No, <laughs> no, no, unless you're a greenie. John, great to talk to you. Good on you, mate. See ya. G'day, this is Macca. Hello. G'day, Marco. It's Peter Collin from near Rockhampton. How are you going? Good, thanks, Pete. Hey, I, got, I thought I'd better give you a quick call. You and I spoke about 15 years ago. 
Mm. And uh, I'm the tyre man. I spoke spoke to you, and you was pulled up beside the tyre tech truck, and thought, oh, that's right. I spoke to Pete from out out to the mine way there. So one of my mates told me to give you a call because uh, he heard me on the radio. <laughs> there you go. Um, and you, um, you're a tyre tech man, are you, or what? No, no, no. I'm, I just fit all the dump truck tyres. And I, when I when I spoke to you last time about 15 years ago, that's right. You're at, you're at a mine somewhere. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I've actually got a day off today, so I'm out on a little property between Rocky and Yapoon called Kawarrel. Uh-huh. And, uh, and yeah, so uh, you're still, still doing it. You're still doing it? Yeah, yeah. And is the tire, I, bet, I bet the tyres have got bigger now, have they, in the last well, 15 years? I was just going to say, Mac, the only difference between what I was doing then and now is they've gotten bigger, So, and obviously the price has gone up, so the average tyre that we're working on now is about $49,000 a tyre, and then... <sighs> And then you're looking at um, a tyre and a rim when they're put together on on one truck. Just one tyre and rim weighs about five and a half tonnes. So they're so they're getting bigger and bigger and faster and and carry more load and all that sort of stuff. So it's still a good job. It's been great to me. I've, as I said, I've been doing it now for the last 32 years. So the back's feeling it, the hands are feeling it from rattle guns and things like that. But it's, yeah, but I'll just keep going until they tell me they don't want me anymore. They yeah, it's a well. See, I often go through my back pages here of, of uh, interviews, and I came across you, and I thought that's an interesting little thing. So I played it, and then I thought to myself, I bet all the all the parameters of what he was talking about have changed. You know, the size of the tyres and the price because we talked about the price of the tyres. Forty nine mm. grand for one tyre, my god. Yeah, yeah, and there's six of them on the, on each truck, so. Obviously, the main aim is to try and get as much out of your tyres as you can. We go by hours, so we try and get seven, eight, nine thousand hours out of every tyre. Which, I suppose, in, in in a time frame that's generally around about two years, you'll get out of a tyre if they don't damage it, if they put a rock through it or something like mm. that. So, even though they're big and robust and, and all the rest of it, uh, it's still run over a rock. You can damage them just like you can if you drive over a rock in your car. Yeah, I bet. So, and do you work at all sorts of mines or just one mine? Uh, all different, all different coal mines. I, I, there's four different mines I go around, and uh, I've sort of grown a little bit since I, seen, I talked to you last, Macker. I've got seven, seven other tie fitters that work for me now that um, that I have across different mine sites and things like that. So as I've gotten older, as you know, the old cliche work work uh, smarter, not harder, and I, I'm doing that a little bit now, where I've got guys doing a lot more for me, and I pretty much just manage all the tyres between all the four sites. There's around about seventy dump trucks that I look after. Wow, and you're you're because you're the bloke basically goes around kicks the tires and makes sure they're all right, isn't that? <laughs> yeah, that's correct. We do, put... do we do a lot, a lot of kicking the tires. We check their pressures and we we do inspections and just make sure that obviously the two front tires are probably the most important one. You've got an operator sitting up above those tires in the in the in the cab, and you don't want those things to blow out. Otherwise, that could be uh, catastrophic. You know what I mean? So there's uh, there's 110 pound of air in in each one of those tires, and when you've got 110 psi and the volume of a tyre that big, it can certainly do some damage. I'll say. Um, so this is your day off today. Yeah, got a day off today. Got the got the other boys out there checking pressures and kicking tyres for me today. So if there's anything untoward, I'll find out about it on Monday that we need to change any and things like that. But but no, it's been really good to me, Macker. It's um, I was pretty dumb at school and I thought, oh, what can I do? That's not real bright. So I I become a tyre fitter, and that's no no insult to any tyre fitters out there, but. So that's pretty much what I decided I was going to do, and it seemed great to me. Yeah, good on you, mate. Um, and and thanks for ringing, Pete, because I always wonder because I usually play. We don't have the staff here in the leadership group to be able to follow up and ring people and try and find them again. So I just usually put these stories out there and hope that, uh, like the other week, I played one 
about the bloke who was um, he was cutting the palm trees. You know, up Port Douglas Way, there's so oh, many yeah. palm trees which they've planted, and they've got to cut them because otherwise they fall down and hit people. So yep. they've got to keep pruning them and the coconuts. You wouldn't want to be hit in the head by the coconut. <laughs> so I just replay them, and hopefully, hopefully the people who um, like you who hear it and ring up and and give us an update because you know sometimes it was ten years ago. I don't know how long ago I talk, spoke to you. How long was it? Do you reckon? I think you said on the on the radio, one of my mates, Hilly, he was, I think he was driving a dozer out at the mine at the time and he rang me up the next day and said that he, he'd heard it on the Macca show. So I got on the internet and had a little bit of a listen and I think it was about 14 years ago. Wow. Uh, yeah. So uh, as I said, it's, 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 been a, it's been a great job and hopefully I can ring you well and truly before another 14 years and, uh, and hopefully I'm still doing the same thing. I'd love to come out. I, uh, you just, when, you, when you go to a mine site, uh, once we flew over um, a mine site in the Hunter, and you just see the size of the, you know, everything and the, mm. you know, the trucks and the everything, the tyres. It's just, and when when you're on the road and you, one of those tie tech trucks goes past you, I mean, it's just amazing. I always beat me horn, but they must wonder what I'm doing. But I always, I always beat them. I'm a bit weird, Macca. I get a bit excited when I see those things coming towards me because I know that's what I'm fitting every day. So <laughs> that, that might be a little bit weird. But, but yeah, hopefully, as I said, I can keep going with what I'm doing. It's not until you actually see like a dump truck coming towards you on the highway or something like that, that you get a realisation of just how big they are. Because when you're working with them all day and they're out on a mine site, they don't look big. But when, you, when you've got to get off the road and they're coming towards you and there's you know, so many tonnes coming towards you, it's pretty scary. But when you're actually working on them and, and they drive past you on the haul road and they're, and they're carrying 250, 300 tonne of dirt, it doesn't sort of seem too scary. Uh, Pete, it's great to talk to you, mate. Good on you. Good on you, Maka. Thank you. Thanks, talk mate. Again. Bye. Bye-bye. Hi, Macca. This is Margaret from Newcastle here. Hi, Margaret. Um, I was just listening to your program and I heard Julie McClure talking about the uh, the game of cricket that they're going to have today on the bed of the mighty Darling River. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to let you know how envious I am. Uh, when I was younger, I used to be the governess on Tulpilly Station. Oh, the right. McClure, yes, the McClures will know where that is. Tulpilly's no longer there now. It's just gone back to National Park. Mm-hmm. But back in those days, the Darling was a mighty river. It used to sort of be almost overflowing its banks at times. And there was no bridge across. There used to just be the old punt to get across from one side to the other. And uh, anyway, I just wanted to let everybody know what a beautiful area it is. And I just want to say hello to all of my friends in Wakanya and Cobar and Broken Hill and Menindi. It's a lovely area up there, isn't it? And those towns on the on the on the Darling, especially Wilcannia. I just love Wilcannia and that beautiful bend in the river where the hospital is. There, it's just a, and those lovely buildings. And and of course, it was because in the, in those days it was flood. It would regularly flood, and and the um, the uh, boats would take off across the thing, and then they'd get stranded when the water went down. Well, Tilpilly used to have a lake that used to come and go as well. Mm. And people actually used to come and go duck shooting on Tilpilly. Uh, but in later years, I re- I, after I was a governess, I came back to Sydney because I originally come from Sydney. Uh, and then in later years, I, that's my dog, I'm sorry. Um, her name is also Darling after the river because she, <laughs> she comes from Wilcannia. Because what I was going to say is that um, I retrained as a teacher in later years and I actually taught at Menindi and Wakanya. Wow. So I really do miss the area. Um, you sound like you do, Margaret. We should be up we should be up there playing cricket today, um, Margaret, in the in the in the Darling. It'd be great, wouldn't it? Oh, but how sad that there's no water in the river though. Well it's you all know, the, have... 
it's all how bit... sad is that when it used to be so so fabulous, you know, that mighty river always flowing. And uh, or, or yeah, don't start me on on water and stuff in Australia. Um, but uh, Margaret, uh, that must have been a lovely time. It's a lovely area. You should you ever get back up there? Oh, haven't you? So I come and go all the time. I've got the wind soil in my veins now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have to go up to Kalara Station. I'm, I'm sure they'd love to see you, Julie, and everyone would love to see you up there, uh, Margaret. Isn't it lovely that all the old families are still there? I'll say, I'll say. Um, Margaret, nice to talk to you this morning. Yes, thank you very much. Good on you. How's things in Newcastle, okay? Oh, it's a beautiful day today. We've had some lovely rain. My trees are just so happy. Uh, Yes, and I'm just about to head out for a walk to the beach with the dog. Good on you. With Darling. With Darling the dog. With Darling the dog, yes. (laughs) And she is a darling too. All right, good on you. Nice to talk, Margaret. Thanks for your call. Bye. Bye.